Welcome to Neighbor Up Spotlight. I'm Carol Malone, your host. Thank you for joining us today. Neighbor Up Spotlight is sponsored by Neighborhood Connections and the City of Cleveland Cable Television Equity in the Arts Fund. Neighbor Up Spotlight showcases citizens making positive contributions to their neighborhoods. My guest today is Mr. Carl Cook, founder of Project Save, co-founder of the Methanoa Project, and director of food services at St. Herman, where he is also a caseworker and program director. His story is and journey in life is one of privilege, pain, and change. He grew up in Cleveland Heights, a suburban community known for beautiful homes, manicured green lawns, lush tree-lined streets, and great community pride. His father was a federal judge and his mother a podiatrist with her own practice. He attended Coventry Elementary School and Roxbury Junior High School, where he played basketball, football, and ran track. As a student at Cleveland Heights High School, he continued in all three sports, graduating in 1986. After high school, it can be said he earned a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a Ph.D. from the University of Life and the School of Hard Knocks. While on his journey, he earned a degree from the Beechwood Culinary School. Community advocate, activist, teacher, program innovator, mentor, speaker, life coach, and some folks have called him a superhero because he tells you like it is. He is a sincere, committed community servant who genuinely loves helping people. His approachable and welcoming demeanor makes it easy for those in need to talk with him. Mr. Cook has received numerous awards and recognition for his outstanding work that he has done in the community. In 2019, he received the Rotary Club Award for Community Service. His compelling personal story has been featured in newspaper articles, radio programs, and on television. Currently, Mr. Cook resides in the historic Ohio City neighborhood. He is a Neighborhood Connections grant recipient and a member of Neighborhood Network. <laughs> Welcome to Neighborhood Spotlight, Mr. Cook. It's so nice to have you here today. Thank you, Carol. Thank you so much. Just an awesome, awesome introduction. <laughs> I'm over just smiling and, and just very grateful. Thank you for that. Well, it's all true. It's all true. Thank you. You're quite welcome. So we've got so much to cover. Let's get started. You grew up in Cleveland Heights. Can you share what life was like growing up in that community? Life life was good in Cleveland Heights. Um, I always share, you know, both parents in the home. Um, I have my siblings, uh, two sisters and one brother, uh, you know, Growing up in Cleveland Heights uh, with the great values that uh, my parents instilled on us, the spiritual values, respecting others, uh, education, um, you know, good ethics, uh, so they can mold their children to uh, be better and do better as we become adults. Um, So it was just a wonderful um, experience of life for me uh, growing up in Cleveland Heights. Um, lots of good friends, uh, very diverse. Uh, my parents uh, thrived on diversity. Um, we must uh, love everyone, uh, and that was part of the uh, ethics uh, that they instilled on uh, their children and yes. myself. Mm-hmm. So now, what elements contributed to your life getting off track a little bit? Well, you know, we, we talk about elements, uh, you know, uh, <sighs> I really would say uh, elements 
would get myself into in some elements. And let me just share this. You know, for the sure. most part, I grew up on two sides of the street, so to speak. So, you know, I had some family in the suburbs in Cleveland Heights, mm-hmm. Shaker and Beechwood, but I also had f- a family on Cedar, Quincy and Huff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grew up uh, in our spiritual church at Antioch Baptist Church. Well, so is mine. Um, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. I, we never, I, that's my right. <laughs> my family goes back to 1922 at Antioch Baptist uh, really? Church. I know. Absolutely. My <laughs> okay. grandparents yeah. uh, lived on 84th and Cedar okay. uh, for, for many years. So we were back and forth and also had family down there and friends. Uh, and uh, our, my parents monitored me, you know. You know, all parents would say, you know, that's not a good person. To kind yes. of, this is not a good person. But for me, yeah. I always... Consider I was like the prodigal son. Oh, well, you know, because I could go down there and do my little dirt and come back up to Cleveland Heights and be the goody-goody rich kid <laughs> as the community wanted to be. Yeah. So I always say I lived that unbalanced life as I thought I was controlling my life. But I did like and was more attracted to the freedom, you know, uh, and not under the thumb of the rules uh, that my parents, uh, you know, uh, uh, wanted me to buy a buy. Yes. But you look back today, and those were just good values yes. that they were uh, teaching their children, which I live by those values today. Yes. So that kind of uh, got me off track, so to speak, um, to kind of hang out with my friends down and my family down on the inner city and and I could stay out late. I didn't have to be in by the street lights, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, my parents didn't know that, you know. So, and it got kind of uh, drawn to that freedom. Yeah, I, I understand. I can I, I I definitely can hear my parents telling me, you know, what kids they wanted me to play That's with right. and, and what kids they did not want me to play <laughs> That's with. Right. So, listen, as I was doing my research, you know, you've You've had some violent and traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. To what do you attribute your miraculous survival? And, you know, if you care to share anything, I mean, one one particular thing is just, you know, you've had, well, you just, you go on and share because you have one story that you shared about, you know, your legs. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. And yep. as I was reading that, if you don't mind sharing, as I was reading it, I mean, I saw the scene playing out in my head. And then to see you now and, and who you are, it, it, it is miraculous. Sure. So if you could just speak on that a little um, bit, because it is uh, a I mean, I'd like story. to speak on just a few things, of sure. what, which I call trauma. You sure. know, as we uh, just kind of run uh, like we're just Superman, uh, we think we just... Uh, can't get hurt, you know, but I've been uh, shot twice, and um, my legs, I I actually uh, was doing a burglary, uh, and um, it got uh, turned around, and uh, just upon escape, got my legs crushed uh, underneath the car, um, and... um, you know, uh, ended up in the uh, hospital for many, many weeks. Uh, and you would think that type of trauma uh, would slow you down. Uh, yeah. it, it does not. Um, you know, uh, I have uh, old drug dealers, uh, you know, uh, credit. Uh, and I'm going to get to uh, uh, talk a little bit about that, you know, yeah. uh, drug and alcohol habit. I lived uh, that habit for uh, all through my 20s. Uh, and 
So with with that kind of a uh, lifestyle that I live, it comes with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember uh, going back to my legs. Uh, the doctor had came in the um, in the ER and was having a conversation. I was in so much pain. Uh, they kind of shot me up with some painkillers and uh, started pumping me with um, different things to uh, 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 you know get the affection down. Uh, and he said, you know, I'm giving you the strongest antibiotics that we have. And if the swelling doesn't go down, we're going to have to cut your legs off. Wow. And that's the kind of trauma I went through. Wow. Um, uh, and fear uh, uh, for that. But, you know, with my thinking and so much of the uh, alcohol and drug medication in my thinking— you know, in a, a week or two, I learned how to walk again, and I told myself, you know what, I'm going to change my life. Wow. And sure enough, I got out of the hospital, I'm right back out there, because I'm telling myself, I did this. Okay. I, you know, I got myself out of this, uh, which I know it wasn't me. Right. Uh, so a uh, lot of trauma uh, in my life, uh, I can go on and on and on, and I always say I'm just so blessed to even be here uh, having this wonderful interview with you today. Yeah. And that's my energy and what sparks me today to keep going uh, for the next person, um, to share with them it is a way out. Um, it's it's a way out, and it's some footwork and a journey we have to go on. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're, you're, like I said, your story is miraculous. Now, let's get down to the event that actually changed your path in life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, um, go back just a little bit. Um, back in 2005, um, going forward, uh, I can't say even in my mess, I like to call it, I always, <laughs> always worked. I was raised yeah. to learn different trades, uh, carpenter, I'm a carpenter, uh, I have a culinary background. Um, you know, my parents uh, and my siblings and my family taught me all different kind of traits. So I've always kind of worked, but never sustainable uh, with the different finances that I had. And I had a uh, little coffee shop oh, wow. uh, okay. on inside the Superior Building, mm -hmm. uh, one out at um, 260th in Euclid. Okay. Um, but I'm deep in my addiction. So I can thrive, but I couldn't keep anything. Okay. Um, uh, just lost everything due to drugs and alcohol. Ended up in 2100 Lakeside, the men's shelter. Um, you know, uh, didn't have a clue, but what people and my parents did not realize, I mean, I lived in abandoned buildings, and, you know, uh, addiction would allow me to clothe myself, feed myself, or pay any rent, you know, and I'm just going to sum it up like that. Yes. And behind that message... Um, I've lived in abandoned buildings. I, I've lived in abandoned houses. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping from house to house to house, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Hiding these things from my parents um, so I wouldn't embarrass myself or I can come to a, a family function around the holidays. Uh, so I live this secret, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and... You know, you're only sick as your secrets. Yes. So, you know, That's very true. Um, as I'm in 2100 and I'm still living this life, I'm comfortable uh, in this life now. Mm -hmm. And it, and that's scary. Yes. I'm comfortable in this life. And um, 
you know, this clarity came over me. 10 I'll never forget it. Um, <laughs> he got it down to the time. I got it time, down to, to the, the time. Wide, to the time. <laughs> it was about 1.30, and I'm out there in the back alley at 2100 Lakeside, and 2100 Lakeside is the men's shelter ran by Luther Ministry. Uh, and um, it's just a, a slew of uh, uh, men down there like me. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, uh, I've, I've been in there too, and, and struggling. Day, yeah, yeah, and um, the clarity is just like I could hear my father just kind of just talking to me. He has since passed away by then, and I can hear. We always had a good relationship, me and my father. Mm-hmm. Um, he did after high school wanted me to go to law school. I didn't want to do that. You know, I wanted to run the streets and. You know, and he gave me an ultimatum. He said, you're going to do something. That sparked me to go to culinary school, you know, just to do something. I, that because I love cooking so much, yeah. you know, but I wanted to just say, okay, I'll do something. But I heard him just saying, what are you doing? Look at yourself, you know. Is, is, is this it for you? Is this your life? Mm. You know, and, uh, you know, I just... I put that bottle down and, and didn't look back ever since. I needed to do what I needed to do, one, to stay sober, um, and, and, and one, to get a clear mind, to find my purpose. Yes. Um, you know, I share with people, it's two kind of pers- purposes, negative and positive. I needed to implement a positive purpose in my life. Um, and... Um, I came to the conclusion that that's what I wanted to do no matter how the journey took me, because it is a journey. Yes, it is. Um, it's a journey to get uncomfortable to get comfortable again. Oh, I like that. Um, and that's... Because it's very true. It is very <laughs> it's, true. It's very true. It's very I can true. speak from experience. It Absolutely. is true. <laughs> it's true. You know, and we have to do that uh, for, the, for the greater good, and yeah. that's what I did, and I share today. I'm still going on the journey. Yes. I always share that God puts people in my path every day. That's right. You know, um, and what I try to do is help them the best way I can without any expectations, and that way uh, you can go on to the next person. You'll get more success stories out of each individual that way uh, through those relationships. That's very, very true because, as I said to you, you know, uh, you and I actually met in 2009, mm. and um, I had lost my home in foreclosure. My mother had passed away, and I'd moved into Althwaite Housing Estates. And and uh, we, I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, mm-hmm. but uh, through your Project Save, you were um, uh, very helpful to me. And so here we are now, full circle. How yes, about that? Yes, yes. <laughs> it brings us all back around. Exactly. We're all one. You know? Exactly, exactly. You know? And I'll tell you, Carol, and yeah. this is why it's important, and I share this with our community, you know, to be kind to people. Yes. You know, you know, I, I share, we don't, uh, I don't use profanity in my life. It serves me no purpose in my life today. Yeah. You know, although the work I do, I hear it all day, every day. Yes. But, you know, I, when I hear that, I, you know, to me, profanity is a subject of a weak mind. You don't know what else to say. So w- that attracts me to some to say, you know, let's sit down and talk. Why are you so angry? Mm-hmm. You know, why can we express ourselves a little bit different to get our point across? Mm-hmm. Uh, and working in my community, uh, which I love so dearly, uh, it's just a it's just a, a breath of fresh air to me. You know, and 
you, you'll be surprised if when, when people do use profanity around me. Oh, sorry, Mr. Cook. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Cook. Well, I said, that's okay. You don't have to apologize. But, yeah. you know, let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's talk. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm i not quite there. It still kind of slips in my, that's my vocabulary okay. every now and then. That's okay. That's all right. I, I must confess. No, no. Well, you know what? And this is something that I practice, you yeah. know, because each individual on a yeah. journey has different goals. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So people change different. And believe me, I hear that. My assistant, you know, she, she's a fire piece. You know, she knows my mission. But, you know, that's okay. Right. <laughs> oh, man. So listen, now, in the third grade, you were diagnosed with dyslexia. Actually, yes. I was doing some research this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, I pulled up a Dr. Lauren McClenny Rosenstein, which is actually a sister. Mm. And there really is not a lot of... Um, Research. Let me read what she wrote. The confluence of race and dyslexia in almost is almost non-existent in research. Mm-hmm. Scarce amount of research about dyslexia among black students and its implications. And then I found it. Actually, I found that educating black males with uh, dyslexia report uh, a, a paper written by Sean Anthony Robinson is a brother who had dyslexia. And he's got you know, a paper that he wrote for educators in um he wrote that the rate of dyslexia among black students has not been well researched. Mm-hmm. In 2014, researchers at the Yale Center for Dys- Dyslexia and Creativity found that approximately one in five or 20% of all students, which is about a six out of uh, 30 students in a regular co- uh, classroom, suffer from dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Black males with dyslexia have more challenges due to racial discrimination and overrepresented in special education. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm a former... Um, special education teacher so and I saw that too and and when I was in the pep program for a limited amount of time so mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. back to the question how do you think this diagnosis impacted your educational experiences mm-hmm. your life decision making and specifically the impact on your life as an African American male and how you were you know how you were uh, dealt with once you got that diagnosis you know <clears throat> Carol, so, you know, once I got that diagnosis, I mean, and, you know, the, the ethics of my parents was, and the message was, you can be whatever you want to be as long as you apply yourself. Mm-hmm. So they never gave me the opportunity to use it as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, by having a, in a Cleveland High School system um, tutors, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were very blessed to uh, afford tutors uh, for that. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Uh, even back then in the 70s and 80s, it was just unheard of uh, uh, dyslexia. No one wanted to address it. It was, you know, LD student, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, I haven't heard that phrase LD in a minute. Yeah, you're right. You know, and um, my mother, uh, you know, wouldn't have it, you know. Yes. Uh, but... Um, I used that as an excuse for for many years, mm-hmm. um, you know, being, I don't know about pampered, uh, but uh, like I said, my, my parents uh, said, you know, you could be whatever you want to be. And then I still had that poor me attitude. Okay. Uh, although I said, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Judge Cook's son. I, I can do what I want, you yeah. know, uh, very complacent. So, um, you know. I didn't see or experience much racial uh, with dyslexia, and probably because of my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, I did experience a little bit in culinary school mm -hmm. because, again, uh, you know, it was my secret. And, yes. and I, I didn't share a lot of uh, what was going on with me with dyslexia in my younger days because I didn't want anybody to know. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I kind of, uh, uh, kind of like shied away from it, or any of my classmates. I couldn't, I couldn't tell them that. And that was one of the things that sparked my alcoholism. Mm. You know, drinking at a young age when I was eight years old, and using this to medicate uh, my feelings and emotion. Uh, and uh, the problem is turned to alcoholism. Um, uh, at a young age, uh, my parents threw parties, and, and they didn't drink and never advocated drinking. Uh, my parents never drank. Uh, but my father lived a political life, and mm -hmm. he threw parties and had bars and different things like that. And and at the end of the party, he would uh, they put the liquor in the pantry and shut the door to the next party the following year. You know, yeah. uh, I found myself at a young age uh, just sneaking downstairs in the pantry, sitting on the floor, and just tasting and want to be some of the dignitaries. This, you know, you know, my father had the Stokeses and the. And he, you know, he was yeah. a Mason, so he knew all the the dignitaries, African-American men. So yeah. I started to sip, and I started to taste, and I hit this, and um, I, 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 can, I can say, of course, I didn't become an alcoholic overnight, right. but I can share um, kind of uh, what we uh, reflect back as, when did I cross over? When, did, when was it a point in my life I could not stop. And I used this in um, a video uh, that we made with Sisters of Charity yes. uh, that um, when I was a Boy Scout, at about the age of 12, we were, I was going on a camping trip, and my mother was, you know, packing up stuff, and it was kind of like my first camping trip, you know, with the Boy Scouts, and, you know, and she bought me this big canteen. So... Um, just before the next day we left, I snuck down and filled my canteen up with gin ah. uh, to take with me. You see, um, I mean, at that age, you're you're filling your canteen up with Kool-Aid or, right. or orange juice, you know, uh, you know. Right. But I wanted to say, you know, I got. I'm gonna take some of this with me. You know, uh, at the time, I thought nothing was wrong with it. Yeah. But at my journey of change, you reflect back to get honest enough and see where I crossed over. Yeah. And that is a point in my life where, you know, I did that. That was the line where I crossed over when it started to turn into a disease. Yes. Um, when we talk about that. And, of course, even after that, I didn't drink every day. But, yes, I <clears> did continue on. Uh, drinking, uh, had a little clubhouse in our carriage house, and that's what we would sneak the boys up and drink and this, that, and the other, and hide it from my pop mints in my mouth and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So it's a big secret, yes. you see. Mm -hmm. Now, in 2006, you founded Project Save. Mm -hmm. So what inspired you to create this organization, and what does Project Save do? Because well, now we're at the part where I know what they do. <laughs> I want the audience to know what they do because yes. you definitely helped me yes. a lot. Well, I'll tell you, I'm in 2100 and I'm working on my journey. And uh, I had just completed an IOP 
a class uh, with Recovery Resources for 12 weeks. And with my culinary background, Lutheran Ministry wanted to hire me to manage their kitchen uh, for the men. And I, and I took uh, that offer. Um, but at, in my transfer, uh, as an employee for Lutheran Ministry or the men's shelter, you could not live there. Uh, and so they offered me a voucher to get housing, and I prayed on it and said, you know, uh, am I ready for this independent yet? And uh, I gave the voucher back, and I actually went to Prokop House, which is on the west side of Cleveland. Um, and it was a old convent uh, that was kind of a transitional house for men mm-hmm. that would allow them to slowly go back into community pay a little bit of rent, work on yourself, uh, and start your journey. So I went to Procop, and the first night that I spent the night at Procop, um, a vision came to me, um, and the vision said, create a relationship with my children, Project Save. Mm. Um, I was asleep, and I woke up. I thought someone was in the room. It woke me up, and I, whoa, whoa you know, I'm looking around, and I, Oh, well, you know, go back to sleep. But it stuck with me. Yes. So in the morning, I woke up and I sat in a chair and I, you know, I started talking to God. You know, I'm starting to hear some things. And I said, what do you want me to do? I know nothing. I knew nothing about nonprofit. You want me to build this thing? How do I do this? Uh, And I I never looked back. I started to educate myself how to build a successful nonprofit. Um, And through building it, the our logo came in a vision as well. Mm. Our logo is a, a man and a woman's hands together, which represents Elgape, unconditional love, together as one community, help each other. And that became our logo. And I had a, another person in the community design it uh, for me out of my vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been our logo ever since. Um, you know, I also <clears throat> had to learn as on a journey to learn how to uh, kind of mold my purpose to a positive purpose. So I had to learn and teach myself how to stop hanging with Pookie and Smitty and on the <laughs> corner, you know, and, and yeah. checking my traps and getting out of this mold. So what I yeah. started to do, every Monday I would head down to Tower City and go to the $5 matinee. Yeah. You know, I'm a movie buff. I like a Me good too. movie. Me too. <laughs> you know? I like a good movie. Um, and then after that, I would walk down uh, to the Hannah Building uh, to the Cleveland Foundation Library. I call it the Grant oh, Library. that's one of my favorite places. Absolutely. <laughs> it really is. I remember when it was called the Kent Smith Library at yeah. 14th and the Hannah Building. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, one uh, of my favorite places, too. Absolutely. And... <laughs> I did that for weeks and weeks and just going in there and learning and, and, you know, about nonprofits and grants, you know, um, do I want to do this? Um, Yes, I want to do this. I'm going to challenge myself to do this. Um, I started to mentor other, mentoring other, other executive directors and asking questions. And I befriended one of the staff members uh, in there, and we became friends and started to give me just different tips uh, and didn't look back. Yes. Um, 
to uh, mold our mission, and our mission is to promote spiritual, economic, and social growth within a disenfranchised sector of our population. And in a nutshell, we serve the poor, you know, empower um, the poor. And what I mean by enrichment, we want to enrich the poor through education and spiritual growth. And that's what we do. In a lot of our programs, and um, uh, we, we've do quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, tell us your names. Talk about some of the programs that yeah. you're doing Project Same. Um, one of uh, our main attraction is birth certificate state ID voucher program that we do. Uh, we uh, want to make sure our citizens can uh, get a state ID, a driver's license, or a birth certificate, which is costly. Well, our agency pays for those items. That's so we work awesome. with the city and the state. Um, and partner with them, uh, and uh, people can come in and get a voucher, and without no cost to them, they can go to City Hall and pick up their birth certificate or go to any BNV uh, that partner with us and pick up their driver's license or state ID. Uh, because the vision is this, I mean, what a way to lift up your self-esteem is identify yourself. Who are you? That opens up the door for the relationship that we want to build with each individual in our community. Yes. Um, because everybody is different. Um, birth certificates, we have single moms and single dads that have to get housing. Uh, well, they need birth certificates for all their children. Uh, and in our community, we have large families. You know, So we want to help assist them uh, and, and defraying some of their costs to help them move on their journey, whether it's housing or the different things or documents they may need to go to the next level. Yes. Um, by going to the next level, we open up the doors with we have a community ethics program. Um, and what we do, I do uh, four weeks of uh, ethics, uh, for instance. So during the summer uh, here at uh, uh I would uh, gather the community on a stipend budget, and we would do different projects uh, around the community, cleaning up, painting, whatever the case may be. But our community would be on a stipend. But it is a program because it is about time management. It's about ethics, for instance. So if we start at 9 o'clock, I call it roll call. Our community citizens must be there at 9 o'clock. They have to check in. If you come at 9.30, that's fine. Our ethics coach will mark you down at 9.30. Uh, but as we go on the journey, uh, if you're late, see, that's $10 that ah, comes out your stipend. Okay. So we're at a site, and we are—everybody uh, has a different job description, and we're monitoring and making sure you're doing what you're doing. If it's Smitty, it's supposed to be over here, and they're over there, and they're just kind of bopping around and talking. See, that's another $10 out, you know. So at the end of the day, as we are building these relationships and everybody's getting their envelope, well, Smitty, he's uh, $20 short, you know. Yeah. And, of course, now that opens up the door to say, hey, I'm a little short. But the next day, let's sit and talk about, your, you know, what's going on to help you mold, mold yourself. Uh, because, you know, uh, and it's a lot more details than that. Yes. I'm giving you the short version. Yeah. But um, uh, the classes are about 
uh, learning how to really work on our uh, financial literacy, um, uh, our time management, our communication skills, um, so we can be sustainable as we get uh, go out there uh, in the workforce. Um, and you know, it, people don't realize it's it's not uncommon uh, uh, throughout our community, and a lot of our uh, uh, citizens have kind of lived that generational domino effect curse. It's not entirely all their fault. Mm-hmm. You see, they're they're just used of uh, you know uh, bad time management. Communication's not good, you know. Uh, so we want to just sh- help our citizens mold those skills. Um, <laughs> well, I know yesterday, uh, well, yeah, Wednesday, when, actually it was Wednesday, mm-hmm. that you guys had your um, Project Save Black History event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was well attended. Mm-hmm. You were able to give out clothes and just so could you talk about that a little bit because sure. I know that you get, I know you used to give out you know have a furniture you know free furniture sure so I'm let's talk so about if you it, yeah. just want to talk about a little the little bit of the things that you did sure, on Wednesday sure. so on Wednesday uh, it's a couple of things so Wednesday yes we did have uh, our annual Black History Month event at the Friendly and Settlement um, and it was just uh, you know just a beautiful event it, the, the number one thing is we want to uh, recognize. Our African American heroes, past and present. We also want to educate our community, children as well as adults. You know what uh, that our uh, culture, our men and women have done for us to get where we are today. You know, um, it's a very important month uh, for me, Black History Month, um, because it is important to share the message to our young and old. Uh, to remind them how we got here. Um, And if we can empower one child or one adult through that message, then our job is done. We gave out, and we do display, I call it the gift of giving. But I always say nothing is given, everything is earned. Yes. You see, so we give away clothes. You know, we give away the different things of our people's need, but that opens up the door to relationships and trust but I've also had a trivia tra- uh, a, t- a trivia uh, test uh, where everybody wants a nice book bag, and I had the book bags loaded with a lot of different items. But you had to come and do a little trivia test yeah. uh, to even receive the bag, you know, that kind of thing. And everybody wins, but depending on what score you got on the trivia— you would get this bag, or if you got an A, you would get that bag. So the whole idea is to say, you know, I want to give it to you, but we also want to educate you as well. Absolutely. It, it, it was a wonderful, wonderful well, thank affair. You. Wonderful affair. You know, and going on to our, um, you know, we also do free furniture program, yes. and that's one of our first programs I wanted to design uh, back in 2006 or seven. I started it. Uh, and I started it because um, we have a Cleveland furniture bank here. And one of the things that was happening, uh, people were coming out of the shelter system and, you know, they wanted to charge them for the furniture. And, you know, you had to jump through hoops to to get this and get a bed. 
So I said, yeah, well, I, listen, I know I've 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 had that experience. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, know, I've had that experience. Yeah, you got to get the voucher. You got to do this. You got to do this. You yeah, got to so. do this. Yeah. And, and for me, I just thought that was very painful for somebody hitting the ground running, and that was just another barrier. So I wanted to create it a furniture program, and at the time, I did not have uh, a budget. Uh, for like a delivery or, you know, that kind of thing. So what I did, I generated a network, uh, started to generate furniture uh, from a, a group out in Solon, which they still bring us furniture today. Nice. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm going to call it U-Haul it, you know. <laughs> and, you know, they can come out every Saturday. We do it Saturday. Now I think we did it Fridays. Yeah, because I, I, I can remember. I think I came on a Saturday, and mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. You know, yeah. hey, you mm-hmm. can come, but it, but you've got to have your own transportation before, to that's be able right. to take things away. You so know, that's right. I and, remember. That's right. And, and, it, and I say that. I mean, they can come every Saturday, come yeah. every week if they want. We have very, uh, just a lot of very success stories yes. um, off our program. And I have even offered, I had Jitney trucks there, just to, you know, some people do not have vehicle so I, right. you know get 20 bucks the guy will take it for you um and you can come every saturday and just a wealth of success uh, i get phone calls all the time thank you mr cook you know that couch i still have that today yeah you know that bed um and in the in the furniture that you gave the kids beds yeah you know i still have that today um and you know and I, it's just a joy to be able to help and I said, you know, it's just my part. It wasn't a something I thought it would turn out very big uh, because what was happening, we were uh, doing a lot of uh, getting people houses, housing for Project Save. Back then, it was a little bit easier than it is now. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so it's kind of started as we got you an apartment, uh, you can come down and get furniture. Uh, and it started with that. Uh, men and women coming out of the shelter system, and it just kind of blew up to community. Yeah. Uh, so I just opened up the door. Whoever wants to come down, come down. Yeah, the need is you know? absolutely, the need is tremendous. And you'd just be surprised oh, how just a piece of furniture is expensive um, with a chair or a couch will help lift somebody's self-esteem just to, to get on their journey, to get you thinking again. Oh, that is, you know? that is, that is so... Um, True, which is actually a good segue mm-hmm. to our, your next project. Because, like you know, you got a, you have a lot going on. <laughs> you have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. So now, what is the Metanoa project? And wait a minute, hold on. Mm-hmm. And why did you choose that name? I know what it means. And could you share what it means? Sure. Because sure. this is a really good project that you another good project, if you will, sure. that you co-founded. So, yeah, thank you. So in 2008, as I was building Project Save, a friend of mine uh, from Care Alliance uh, came to me and, you know, he said, Carl, you know, our, our citizens and the shelter-resistant population is dying out there through the winter months. Um, and I want to uh, sit down and find out how we can start to get them out of the cold. Uh, you know, and I said, I'm on board. And um, uh, two more of uh, the founders uh, came on board. So it was four of us. Uh, we did not have a name. Uh, we just started to uh, mold our narrative, put a plan together, uh, start a mission statement, 
uh, and just get going. We were just like, let's do it, you know. Yeah. Um, so we put our different skills together. And one day we were all sitting uh, down at the table. We did not have a name. Uh, and actually one of the other co-founders, uh, brother, uh, came up with the Mitnoia Project. Yeah. Which means a reversal of thinking, repentance. It's written out of the Greek language, a reversal. Um, and then we said, hey, that's what we want to call ourselves. Yes. Uh, and um, that's how the word metanoia became to be. We started uh, at um, West 14th uh, and over by Lincoln Park with Father Joe and Sister Corita at Augustine. Uh, and a second floor, just going out, getting our citizens out of the cold, bringing them upstairs, letting them spend the night with a hot bowl of soup. Uh, and uh, they would get up in the morning and they could exit and go across to Augustine's to eat. And that's kind of in a nutshell how we started. Uh, and then we laid the tracks to become a 501c3 uh, and we started to grow. Uh, so for the first year, we did that, and then we market and lobbied ourselves over to St. Malachi, uh, which we operate there for the last nine years uh, at uh, St. Malachi. Um, one of the things, once we got there, what I wanted to do is not only uh, bring our men and women, and we were co-ed, because one of the things we thrived off of, we have a lot of couples out uh, there, uh, and here in the city of Cleveland, you have the women's shelter yes. and the men's shelter. So we did want to cater uh, to couples that wanted to stay together. And you know, you don't people, you don't really think about that, but there, you know, there, you know, couples and people with children, and mm -hmm. you know, right now as we sit, you know, there's some people who are living outside in the cold, and oh yeah, absolutely. and you know, and and. Uh, and people don't people forget that sometimes. Sure. I'm sorry to mean to interrupt you. That's Continue. okay. Yeah. No, that's okay. And you're you're absolutely right. So <clears throat> so one of the things, because metanoia means a reversal of thinking, I wanted to put a school together to offer to any of our uh, citizens that wanted to come to weekend night school, and I called it the courage to change. And it was weekend night school for anybody that came into the building because we were open. We started with the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, and then we expand our days. And, and could you just also share the services that you offer to at Metanoia? Because, mm -hmm. you know, you really provide, mm -hmm. you know, really needed services for people who are uh, living outdoors. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, one of the main services is shelter, you know, uh, with the shelter-resistant population. Now, keep in mind, this is the population that won't go in the shelter system. Right because they want to either stay together or you hear it all the time. Oh, I'm not going to 2100. I don't want to go to the women's shelter. I don't want to go by the rules, and that's okay. But we, we still have rules. But this population just wants to come in, lay down, have a meal, which we had a meal program. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a media room, which they could go up and just watch television, you know, um, get warm. We had a gym upstairs. We had a clothing room. Uh, which in the winter months, they wanted to come in and change their wet socks and, you know, change their clothes. They could do that. We had a shower. 
uh, system. Yeah. yeah, because that is so important. Very important. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it is the, the the limited places here where people can go and take a shower. Absolutely. Take a bath. That's right. You know, and for those of us who can just walk down the hall to our bathroom, mm. you really have no idea how it, impactful it is when you can't do that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I share that uh, all the time. Some of the simple things we can take a shower today. Yeah. I can come in and my heat is on. Yes. You, you know, and I thank God, thank you, my heat is on. But you, you, everybody doesn't have that option. Right. You know, through these winter months, a simple shower. I do, we do haircuts there. A simple haircut lifts up a person's self esteem. Yes, it does. You know, mm. uh, uh, when we're talking about our hygiene, you know, and opens up the door for a person to really start opening up. And that's just with a simple haircut in the shower. Yes. You, you know, uh, because we can be guarded when we're, we're our shelter resistant population is very guarded, you know, and very secretive. Mm-hmm. So this is designed to strengthen those authentic relationships with them so they can start to share. So I built the courage to change as they came through. And I had a curriculum. Uh, they did six weeks of, of class, and then they did six weeks on our work ethics program, which I would hire them on a stipend awesome. along our staff. And again, it's about time management, coming to work on time, doing your duties, working on communication, that kind of thing. And I built a curriculum off of psychology and psychiatry because that's what we have to start to look as we build relationships. We have to meet people where they're at. That's the truth. You know, meet them where they're at because everybody is different. And that way we can start to. Mo- I'm not a licensed psychiatrist. I'm not a licensed psychiatrist. That's right. But you got, you, know. you got, you got. Like I said, you got well, that degree through the University of Life and School School of Hard Knocks. I, I love okay. it when you said that because you're absolutely right. Okay, Lula, so that's right. trust me. You know, you may not have all that alphabet soup in front of the, in that's front right. of behind your name, but trust me. That's right. You've got quite a resume. That's okay. right. You, you know, and also, <laughs> thank you. And also, you know, with people quite rarely, it's a lot of younger, you know, from 18 to 25. Yes. Uh, struggling yes. in such a resistant population. Yes. And and, that, and it's really funny that you say that because I, I have paid, I've noticed that mm-hmm. over the mm-hmm. years. Oh, yeah. You know, you, uh, you know, when you're driving through the city, you know, and you're seeing and you see a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and, and that particular... A population. I started uh, Ohio City Arrows. It was a basketball okay. uh, a team for them, uh, and we did it at Maliki up in their gym. And I wanted to just get this particular age group together. Um, and you, you see a lot of, of that particular age group are, are just are uh, aging out of foster care right in the yes. homelessness. And that's where we're getting these numbers from yes. a, as well. So I wanted to uh, show them, you know, working together through basketball, communicating, building a team, working together. So I did that for about two or three years uh, through the Mitnoia Project as well. Uh, and... Um, you know, uh, just to show them some discipline, planning, working together, you know, whether you win or lose, you know, you are still somebody. And we have to experience that, yeah. you know, uh, so we can because winning and losing a, a, attacks our emotions and, and our feelings. And with this tough 
a, a, a crowd, a age group, you know, we have to we have to do that so they know how to feel. Yeah. So that was the whole motive, you know, of not only mentoring them, but also letting them really understand about the ups and downs of our feelings and emotions. Yes. Now, you um, are affiliated with St. Herman's as well. Mm-hmm. What do you do at St. Herman's? So at St. Herman's, I'm the meal director, and I'm also the program director at St. Herman's. Uh, I've been there, well, by now about 12, 12 years, going on 12 years now. And I reflect back on how I even got to St. Herman's. So I shared earlier, uh, I was employed by Luther Ministry, uh, and uh, 12 years ago, uh, St. Herman got in a little bit of trouble, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a friend of mine uh, was trying to keep St. Herman's open. I think I remember uh, that. And uh, they had residents there, and they wanted to uh, kind of shut St. Herman's down, yeah. but he uh, wanted to keep it open. Uh, and Lutheran Ministry uh, was uh, one of the uh, huge... Uh, a bit of, you know, to come over there and help do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mike Suring, uh, uh, uh director over there at uh, 2100, asked me uh, to go over there and uh, help structure their meal uh, program. Uh, so I was a part of that. So I headed over there to do that. Uh, and in a nutshell, I've been there ever since. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and uh, now it is ran by uh, a group called Focus North America. Okay. Uh, and that would be the director, Paul Finley. And they're actually based out of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paul Finley and his wife and family relocated uh, from Pittsburgh to here. Uh, I actually was there before Paul Finley came. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Paul Finley's my boss, but he doesn't like me to call him that. (laughs) (laughs) He says we're friends, and we both think alike. He's a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, um, And uh, we uh, do it together. Uh, Now we have a licensed caseworker there. We also have an assistant director there now. Uh, But for many years, it was just me and Paul. Oh, wow. You know, as staff members. Wow. Um, And we did it together. Yeah. You know. Um, and uh, so I, pre- I prepare all the meals. Uh, you know, we have groups come in or make sure that all the meals go out properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pre-COVID, uh, we serve three meals a day there, okay. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay. Um, and uh, we serve the community. We take men uh, right off the streets that can come and they fill out an application and they can be a resident in our main house. And we also have a transition house uh, two uh, houses down from the main house that we can fit 12 men okay. uh, in, and they can pay a little bit of rent uh, and learn to start on their journey of independence. That, that sounds wonderful. Now, since this pandemic, have you seen, and I'm sure you have, an increased need for help? And um, how many individuals and families are you seeing in your in, in all the organizations, weekly or or monthly, because I, I know that yeah. things have, yeah. you know, gotten more um, yeah. intense. It, it has come very intense. And, you know, at the start of the past, going on two years now, yeah. um, you know, a lot of the agencies shut down, um, even the Friendly Inn shut down. Yes. I did not, 
You know, they gave me the opportunity if I wanted to come in our office, I could, and I did. Um, and I masked up because my thinking was, well, this is the time where we need to be out here, you know. So at that point, no one really understood what this virus was about. Right. Uh, so it was a huge fear. But immediately for me, um, I shared with my staff in the office, if you guys wanted to work at home, you go ahead, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I actually uh, continue on coming Tuesday through Fridays at the Friendly Inn, but a lot of things were shut down. But what I did uh, in our window, uh, our community, our, our office is right off the um, window where our community walks by and see different literature, and I have a poster board of what's going on. So I posted up there, if you need help with getting through the uh, unemployment website or anything, you know, because everything went yeah, online. Yeah, everything was online, you, if the you know, Zoom or this uh, or that and the right. other, yeah. So um, I, I reached out our hand and say, hey, put your mask on and come on in. Let's sit in front of you. Let's help you navigate through that, you know, um, just to uh, uh, comfort our community that we're still here for you, uh, even though uh, things will be changing. Um, Yes, to be honest, uh, the the numbers have definitely risen. Uh, most of our guests uh, love to walk in the building because they're welcome to come in our office so uh, they can sit down and share what their need is. Mm -hmm. um, Project Save covers just about everything. Um, you know, I, I tell people it's nothing too small. You cannot come in our office and share with us because if we don't do it directly, yeah. we have a large partner and collaboration that we uh, can uh, get you started on whatever journey you're looking for. I think now one of the difficult things that we're running into is housing placement. Yes, um, I know that's difficult. You know, utility uh, assistance, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing. Yes. And, and, and for me, <clears throat> again, it's a teaching because I keep it real with our citizens. I mean, you, we all know stimulus came out and, you know, uh, it really is supposed to stimulate, uh, you know, the community. But who's responsible, you know? Um, and I just predicted, you know, the money came and then it was gone and then the phone started bl right. blowing up. You know, I need help with rent. I didn't pay for you, you know, but I, you know, you know, you got that stimulus. What you do with it? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And, and, and again, it's not entirely uh, our community's fault. We we get a lump sum of money and we feel good and we want to just, you know, splurge and, and, and make others feel good, but we're, we're really not prioritizing yeah. uh, what we need to do. And, and prioritizing takes sacrifice. And that's what we teach in our ethics class. We have to learn how to sacrifice some things. That's right. You know, uh, to uh, uh, for the greater good. Uh, so we thrive on that. So, you know, so it's bigger then uh, helping somebody with uh, their rent, uh, people's, you know, I, I help somebody with $400 in rent, but I asked them, I said, so if I help you now, what are you going to do next month? Come back to us, you know? Yeah. So how can you, so come to our ethics class for four weeks uh, and, and, and let's, let's uh, do uh, something different, you know? Yes. Right, so you can so you can move forward, and so life. you can move forward exactly because it's about the whole family. It's you know we do have single men, single women, but we do have there's a lot of families, a lot of families, that, lot we, of families. that we work with, yeah, um, and deal with. So we we want to help the whole family, mental health. 
Yes. It's, it's, it's very uh, high, uh, high percentage of mental health now going on, you know, uh, and we, we address that population as well. You know, uh, I have found that more of our citizens coming in with mental health need more socks and gloves yes. and, and hats. Um, you know, well, but, that goes to a question. Let me ask you this: mm-hmm. How can the how can the community help you? Well, yeah, how can the community help you in terms of things that you need? Like you said, what you're describing, the, the socks and shirts mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Well, you know, one of one of my top goals, and and I haven't shared this, is I, I am working on uh, a project, uh, and we're calling it Community Work Ethics Program, and we may find a title as we go forward. Uh, but just a little note, I, I want to build kind of a company for our community in the central uh, Quincy and Cedar uh, neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And my pilot is, you know, if we took five people from Quincy coming down to central all the way to Carnegie on each corner, and each person would have so many square feet on a living wage uh, to— kind of I'm a pilot be part-time and just clean up this area you know something like what Cleveland Downtown Alliance is doing downtown you you know what mm-hmm. it's it listen <laughs> I totally know what you're talking about I I um I live in the Union Miles neighborhood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so dumping for us in our in in, in my ward is just ridiculous and so i'm the little old lady on my street where my neighbors see me picking up trash yes all the time Mm -hmm. and right now i'm incensed because someone has dumped a bunch of trash at the corner of my street Mm. and i i feel the same way i've made the same kind of suggestions you know to my council person and recently um uh, you know, when uh, Mayor Bibb was, uh, t- they were having the community conversations. I don't know mm-hmm. if you had a chance to participate, mm-hmm. but I got in on the last one. And that's exactly what I had, you know, s- you know, uh, suggested that there's, this should be a citywide. You know, I called uh, it the keep it clean, keep it, keep Cleveland green and clean, uh, green uh, and cl- uh, green and clean program. Uh, <laughs> it was a little oh, tongue-tied. Absolutely. Wow. I, I love that. I yeah, love I know. That right. yeah. Well, <laughs> You're it, free to use it. I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> you and, know, because <laughs> and giving kids, giving people in the community stipends to, you know, to 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 clean up certain areas. Absolutely. You know, it's just it, to me, it's a no brainer. But, you know, it's a no brainer. <laughs> and, and I am up to the task yeah. uh, to uh, get with uh, our council. And I'm laying the tracks already. Yeah. You know, and because it. it this is this is my and I'm like you, you know. We we live here, and I'll tell you what really sparked me with this. So a couple of years we do projects, you know. Summer we pick up, and you'll be surprised. People are looking out the windows. Wow, what's going on? You know, it's just generating. But imagine the 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 leadership and the the message we're giving to our children once we get our community just to pick up, you know, and clean up. And to learn how to pick up, you know, behind ourselves. I was just getting a walk through, through our community, and we—I know it's winter, and I'm gonna, and I—I've been taking notes. But a lot of times, it's just—it's not our citizens. A lot of the trash cans that are thrown is not covered, so trash is just blowing everywhere, you yeah. know. And I'm just talking about our particular, but, um, you know, just imagine the self-esteem as as somebody can empower themselves. 
you know, make a living wage. The difference between our program and, let's say, the Cleveland Works program, they had something like this years ago. It was Cleveland Works program. Yeah, I remember those. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, the uh, program, Cleveland Downtown Alliance. The difference with us is we're going to be teaching our, our men and women ethics. You know, we're going to be having this class, you know, as it's a sliding scale, as we uh, slide our citizens up you know, on a sliding scale, because I would like to take it to other communities yeah. um, as we go forward. It, it, so, it, so I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, like, I can remember when I was a kid, my first summer job was working for the city of Cleveland Department of Recreation. Mm -hmm. So I was there from like 14 to 18 years mm -hmm. old. And, you know, you make that money for a summer for going back to school. Yep. And it's the same thing, you know, hiring kids between the age, well, well, like you started 14, mm -hmm. you know, but 14, 15, 16 years old, you know, for those few five or six weeks in the summer, mm -hmm. you know, have them on, you know, the clean and green team and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and cleaning up and in addition to the classes, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I, I agree with you from the leadership because it would be nice to see that kind of program coming out of City Hall, mm -hmm. working with all of the mm -hmm. different neighborhoods and, and and the councilmen buying in and the residents buying in. Uh, absolutely. You know, because there, there, I mean, you know, there has been a visual, like you can visually see an increase in the trash Yes. In a community. And you can see it when you go from certain when you go from certain parts of the city to other parts of the city. It's, you know, where you don't see it. And then mm -hmm. you go and then you're like, oh, my goodness, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I agree with you. I, I, I wish you a great deal of success in getting that started. Well, thank it's, you. And it's, 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 I, I feel the same way. Thank you. <laughs> and and to go back to your question. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we are looking for uh, that conversation. We are looking for funds. Um, yeah. You know, and, and what I mean by that, I, I'm big on stipend. You know, we have a we have a wonderful stipend program. Oh yeah, me I'm too. A, I'm a good steward of my dollars. That's why we are still here. Yes. Um, but you know, uh, some of the foundations don't recognize uh, a stipend because to, to them, it's not a specific need. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But to me, in my in our community, it is a specific need, especially if you put education behind it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to put it like this. <laughs> if you can pay a consultant to study the problem, mm -hmm. then you can compensate the individuals who live in the community who want to make change. Absolutely. I'm, that's, I'm just saying. I, I love the way you put that. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of consultants get paid a mm -hmm. lot of money mm -hmm. to come in and tell what they see or what have you for the very communities that you and I have worked in for decades. Absolutely. So you can, and, and, and having, and, and I've been on both ends, yeah. you know, working with the, you know, working with the institutions. Like I told you, I used to work for Friendly Inn years ago. Mm -hmm. And then I became a person who needed those resources mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and, uh, and receiving stipends for being, you know, doing stuff in the community. Mm -hmm. So I quite mm -hmm. agree with you. Yeah. So now what more would you like to see done for those who are without homes in Cleveland? You know, because people forget there's a lot of homelessness and families and with children in Cleveland. And um, mm -hmm. I just think that we definitely need more affordable housing. So, yeah. you know, share your thoughts. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, we, we definitely need more affordable housing. You know, let me share this. I mean, we definitely need more affordable housing. But let me back up a little bit, you know, and not to kind of thumb up our, our ethics program or, or our courage to change. But one of the things, you know, 
we want our people to get housing, but we want them to keep the housing. Yes. So we, we, we want them to get housing, but we need to be implementing some things in place uh, to get a higher percentage of our citizens to be sustainable in their housing. I would like to see some of um, the housing being like rent to own. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, our community need to start to own uh, and, and, and put equity and, and, and build their credit mm -hmm. um, in our community. Uh, I mean, the housing authorities are doing great, uh, but we're still renting. Yes. You know, we're still under the thumb of the welfare. We get comfortable doing that. Um, so even with housing, you know, I, I would like our citizens to own the house. But to do that, we need more ethical training uh, with our citizens, a better relationship um, I would like to have a curse to change on every corner somewhere, you know, um, really. And I, I think percentage wise, we, we we possibly get when people think about education, I got to get my GED. I got I got a good higher education. Well, you know, first you, 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 you want to go slow. You know, we need to build up our our citizens self-esteem to even complete the GED. Yeah. You know, on the population that I serve. Yeah. So now, can you can you elaborate on why hope is an action word for those who desire to change their lives? Because I know that uh, you know, you've you've, uh, you've expounded on this. I expounded hope um, is an yes. action word. Yes. Because to me, you know, people want hope, but you got to do some footwork. You know, um, I hope I get a warm coat. I hope I get a pair of socks. You know, but once you get that warm coat and a pair of socks, the hope must continue. So you have to start on a journey. Uh, so I've always uh, called the word hope an action word uh, because for me, uh, in my personal life, um, as I went on my journey, I hope I get this and I hope I do that. But to do that, I needed to do some application. Mm -hmm. um, and I needed to... Uh, in, in a nutshell, I, uh, I told myself coming through 2100, you know, I had to suck up my pride and say, you know, somebody needs to teach me how to live. You see, I, I live like an animal. Uh, and I needed to get these values back that my parents that I have lost. Mm -hmm. um, and as I went on this journey of hope, uh, I did get that back. You know, I yeah. did remember uh, the values uh, and the spiritual values and the ethical values uh, that my parents instilled on us. Um, but sometimes, unfortunately, some of our, our families and single men, they don't have that option. Yeah, right. you they see, don't have that support system. That They don't have that support system. And that's what Project Save is all about. Yeah. You know, we want to be their support system. You know, yeah. we want you to cry on our shoulder you know, so yeah. to speak. Mm -hmm. So now what advice do you have for citizens who want to make positive contributions to their community, but they may not know just how to get started? Well, <clears throat> contact me. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> we, we, we have to get out there, and, and that's a great question because I, I get a lot of different questions all the time, you know, um, um, 
it, it got us uh, really blessed for a lot of uh, different uh, grassroots groups to say, Carl, I want to start this. We have helped mold them and helped them get them started. We have some uh, that have not been so lucky, so to speak. But I, I tell them, you know, you don't build a nonprofit and build a mission because you think you're going to get rich. Exactly. You know, this is not a get rich business. No, it is not. <laughs> you know? and you have no, to, it's yeah, not. That's right. Right. So I've often, I've often <laughs> said this is some of the most heartfelt, heartbreaking uh, work you will ever do. Absolutely. For real. And it is. when when they see that, you know, uh, it's all about motive. You know, yeah. I am not the $100,000 founder, executive director, believe me. <laughs> right. You know, right. I live very simple. Yes. I raise my children. I have my own family uh, to be very simple. Um, so um, I tell them, you know, go with your vision. Go with your heart, but you you have to do it without any expectations. Yes, and it's hard work. It's very um, hard work. It's it's hard work. Yeah, um, to uh, really uh, mold a network, be sustainable. You know, uh, because the mission is the most important thing. I always say I work for the community. Me too. <laughs> you know? Me too. Yeah, I work yeah. I work for the people. Yeah, I work for the yeah, people. Yeah, I, I do what I do for the so, people. And I'll also say too, you got to love the people. That's even, right. Even when they're sometimes not lovable. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, absolutely. But yeah. and I always say I signed up for for life. I made a decision, you know, to sign up for, for life. And it changed my life. Yes. You know, um, so... You know, I tell them, like I say, follow your dream, um, work hard, uh, and it will come to be. Um, you know, however uh, the journey takes you. Uh, for me, it helped my spiritual walk. I'm very spiritual today. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so uh, I always say I just go forward and God does the rest. Yes, that's the truth. You know. So now you do so much for others. What do you do for fun and relaxation? <laughs> What do you do? Well, I, I, I love, <laughs> I, <laughs> I go down to Atlanta, I have family in Atlanta. Mm. That's sometimes I go twice a year. Um, through the pandemic, uh, went down there last year. I have uh, four children, okay. so I enjoy, uh, I have two granddaughters. So Wonderful. I enjoy uh, with them and... Um, I'm a movie buff. I, yeah. I love to sit down and watch my fire stick. And okay. <laughs> that's kind of like my pastime. I, yeah. I come home, I'm tired, and it, it'll take me, you know, a, a seasoned movie to take me like two months to watch. I push pause, fall asleep, get up, push pause, <laughs> yeah. fall asleep. But <laughs> but um, that's what I like to do. And, you know, I, I like to serve, you yeah. know. To be honest. And, yeah. and, well, it shows. You know, it shows. Um, <laughs> I, I do have my personal life. I do find my moments of peace yes. uh, with my family. And they know. But I, I like to serve. Uh, and I like success stories. Yeah. Um, no matter uh, how long it may take uh, for each individual. But again, I do it without any expectations. And it just comes back twofold. Um, I, I put, uh, and I share this with my uh, uh, staff at Friendly Inn, you know, people uh, are different, and I use a graph. I call it rolling right and rolling left. Some roll right and mm-hmm. get it right away mm-hmm. and can make it through the barriers mm-hmm. and be successful. Some roll left and can't get through the barriers quite as fast. Mm-hmm. Well, we still have to walk with those who are rolling left, mm-hmm. 
That way, the ones rolling white lead by example, and they will catch up. That well said. You see, so, yes. you know, everybody has value and everybody has worth. That's right. You you express yourself so eloquently and so lovingly about what it is that you do. Like I said, it's anybody who meets you, they know that you, you know, you don't you don't just talk it, you walk it. Thank you. For real. Yeah, well, we got for, to. For real. <laughs> Thank you. So now in 2021, you and I participated in that five-week digital storytelling boot camp where we yes. had to hurry up and learn yeah. everything really fast, you know. So yes. you did an, a, a wonderful short film. Could you tell us about your film? Sure. Do you have plans for more films? What did you learn from the experience in sharing your story? And where can people see this short movie? Oh, wow. That's a lot. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> one <okay>. question. <laughs> right. Well, you know, yes, um, I, I really enjoyed uh, putting uh, that video together. Um, I have done uh, some documentaries uh, with the homeless and, and uh, a couple of short stories, but nothing uh, with my story included uh, as I could include our community because I, I, I've I feel like uh, we're we're all one, you know. We're all yes. together. Um, yeah, you know. <clears throat> um, I was just just coming in the studio today, just sharing with the sound director. Uh, yeah, you and James uh, had a good yeah, conversation had going a good on. Conversation. <laughs> I, I see a collaboration <laughs> coming <laughs> because um, it could be uh, a, a something coming up in the works. Uh, really just telling other people's stories, especially some of our uh, community that uh, people don't see. Yes. Um, you know, uh, I could tell my story, and, and, and I'm, I'm growing. Uh, you know, they need to hear uh, people's story that's there uh, and want to grow, need support. Um, you know, I, I started something three, four years ago uh, called Lost in Population, uh, which I wanted to do something similar to that. Uh, so, um, you know, um, that's coming in the works. Awesome. <laughs> did I answer your question? Yes, you I, did. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Where can we see? Where can we can? Where oh, can yes. You can, can go see. to uh, our Project Save uh, website, projectsaveCleveland.com, uh, and you can click on... Uh, my story, uh, uh, my community within me, you'll click on that button and you can watch the video. Okay, dokie. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, here comes all the informational part. How mm-hmm. can people contact you regarding Project Save, mm-hmm. the Metanoa Project, St. Herman's, mm-hmm. volunteer in some sort of way, donate, or book you for speaking engagements? Oh, Okay, well, (laughs) you can um, actually uh, uh, call my cell phone. My cell phone is an open book um, or text me. But my cell phone number is 216-376-0396. Email is always great as well. And you can contact me at Carl Cook, C-A-R-L-C-O-O-K, 2100 at gmail.com directly for project save um, if you have any questions for any of our programs you can email us at project save 80.com uh, as well um, if those who want to look forward 
to see more about Project Save, uh, you can go to our Facebook page, Project Save Cleveland. Uh, the Mitnoia Project, although I'm the co-founder, just before the pandemic, I did resign uh, from Mitnoia. Um, although I am still involved, uh, you can never <laughs> right. really <laughs> right. leave. Actually, right. I was just in a meeting a few weeks ago. They're trying to get me more involved. <laughs> <laughs> but um, since the pandemic, I had a lot going on, and I just kind of you know, said, you know what, let the board just go ahead and run it, although you still never leave. Right. Um, but I wanted to really, uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, um, uh, African-American culture, uh, I knew would get hit. And uh, I know our Project Save agency was in the central and Quincy area, although we've been there for quite some time. But I did want to uh, uh, just kind of, Focus on that. Focus on my family. You know, the kids were going, getting a little older. Yes. So I needed to give something up, you know. Yeah. And um, um, although I had my St. Herman office, which I'm still with today, I, I gave up Mitnoia. So um, I didn't really give it up, so to speak. Uh, but... Uh, I needed to kind of back off some things. Well, I let I let our, let our uh, listening audience know that they can um, go to the website Metanoia, which is what oh, I yes. did. They, yeah, they, so they can yes. definitely go to the website. They, they can go to the website and, and get or, all the information. Yeah, or they can they can still contact me at any of that information, and I can get them next to Metanoia as well. Okay, and uh, for those who may want to. Uh, you know, your uh, activities at St. Herman's or volunteer and donate or book you for speaking engagements. Yeah, you can uh, email me uh, for speaking engagements uh, again at my uh, email address, carlcook2100 at gmail.com. Um, I can't say I love to come out. Uh, I do it all the time for different groups uh, and share uh, not only my story, but the ins and outs of poverty uh, facts, uh, success stories, and what we all need to do together uh, uh, as a communities uh, to help one another, uh, to empower. You know, a lot of times, yes, we all need funding to keep operating, but I always say I love stuff, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, so we take a lot of donations uh, of all kind, uh, whether it's furniture, um, clothing, um, hygiene kits, bus tickets, very important. Yes, they are. Um, very. You know, uh, just sometimes the small things uh, empower people. Uh, so my mind is open. Um, so please email me um, at, at, at any time. Well, you know what? I want to thank my guests. We've come to the end now. Such a great Great conversation. I was Wonderful looking forward to this. Mr. Carol. Cook, you're an awesome, awesome person. Thank you. You thank really, you. really are. Thank you for those kind words. I would like to thank my guest, Mr. Carl Cook, for visiting with us today. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Yes, me as well. I would like to leave our audience with a quote from my guest today. Where outsiders see failure, I see sustainability and hope a willingness for people to strengthen their independence and work on their character. When I see our community, I see brightness. Our community can see brightness in hope. I would like to thank our audience for coming by today. We really appreciate your support. 
Please join us again as we continue our conversation with Clevelanders who are making positive contributions to their neighborhoods. Visit Neighborhood Connections website to see all of our community engagement activities and opportunities. If you have a great idea and you want to do something positive for your community, contact Neighborhood Connections at 216-361-0042 or send us an email at www.neighborhoodgrants.org and like us on Facebook. Stay informed, stay involved, stay connected. I'm Carol Malone, your host. Thank you for joining me today on Neighbor Up Spotlight. Neighbor Up Spotlight is sponsored by Neighborhood Connections and the City of Cleveland Cable Television Equity and the Arts Fund in association with Bad Racket Recording Studio. Executive producer, creator, writer, host, Carol Malone. Co-producer, Lila Mills. Engineer, James Cananan. Photography, social media, Vince Robinson. Graphic artist, Kadrian Hinton. We're just a homemade, handmade podcast from scratch. Please share our positive stories with your neighbors, friends, family, and on your social media. Thank you for listening, and neighbor up.